So um, this was actually super funny. But if you watch the debate between Peter Schiff, you know, and Alex Mashinsky of Celsius, um, there was a clip of Alex Mashinsky telling Peter Schiff, hey, come work at Celsius. And this was a couple months before, a couple, you know, either two or three months before the big blow up of Celsius where they, you know, suspended withdrawals. Um, but, you know, he said, hey, come work for our risk department. We need more critics. We need more people to um, tell us what we're missing or give us the bear case of crypto or basically tell them, hey, you're being way too risky here. Uh, and all the possible ways in which, you know, a Celsius could blow up. So I remember listening to this this part of the podcast, sorry, the debate. And, you know, if you want to listen to a condensed version of it, Peter Schiff did clip out uh, about 20 minutes of this, you know, long, longer debate. And it's on his YouTube channel if you want to watch it. And I don't remember exactly what point in the, in the, um, debate, uh, sorry, the clip where he said this, maybe 10 minutes in or something, but thought it was really funny, but I thought that's a great idea. Not that Peter Schiff would go work there necessarily, but that these crypto companies really do need to start looking for people who are objective. Maybe they're not anti-crypto, you know, like Peter is, but they need people who are just crunching numbers looking at the macro, looking at looking for risks in these crypto companies uh, that aren't blinded by their own greed, right? That aren't blinded by this Bitcoin crypto ideology, right? Where they think it's going to the moon and Bitcoin can only go up and, you know, we should leverage ourselves to the tits like all these Bitcoin miners have done, right? Where they've basically, you know, maybe they're trying to do this to compete, right? But in my, my opinion, they're all going to go bust very soon because what they've done is they've even taken out loans on their Bitcoin mining equipment. Now, I think the bank who did this, you know, I, I know for, for sure, um, I think Silvergate has done this. There's probably been other lenders who've done this. I'm pretty sure Silvergate has. I think I listened to something where someone said Silvergate was lending based off of miners, um, you know, as collateral, but I could be wrong. Uh, but you know, I'm sure several entities have done this. Basically, you get one person at a bank, right, a lending institution or a family office that uh, that loves Bitcoin, and uh, the, the floodgates are open, right? You get one person who loves Bitcoin or crypto, and they they convince the leaders of this lending institution to lend money based off of Bitcoin mining equipment, and uh, you know, you've made a pretty bad call in my opinion, but. Uh, but yeah, um, do these people, do they have a natural incentive, incentive to hire people that are risk averse, that crunch these numbers objectively, that maybe understand the risks, right? That are critic, that are critics, critics of the industry. I mean, I get that you don't want to have critics next to you in the cubicle because you're all gung ho, you know, working at Celsius, they tend to, you know, all these crypto companies tend to advertise themselves as pro crypto. You got to believe in the industry to get a job, right? So I'm sure some people are faking it, right? They see all the riches in Bitcoin and crypto and they kind of are, they're kind of, you know, pulled in or suckered in by it, but they don't probably don't like believe in it long term. It's just a trade, you know, maybe it's just a career trade for them. 
where they're going to go work at this company uh, for a little while, but they have to at least pretend like they're pro Bitcoin or crypto, or maybe they're just neutral, but they have to pretend like they love the industry. Oh, look what it's going to do for the poor. Look what it's going to do to democratize finance, whatever that means, right? It's just some buzzword that they all throw out. But, you know, I don't, I don't hate Alex Mashinsky. Like I've seen him speak at several different places and I think he understands, you know, a lot of what the Bitcoin people are missing, even though his company right now is kind of like, you know, in the tubes or gone down the hole. He's, he understands that, that in order for Bitcoin to be successful, it needs to be lent. And I agree with that too. And all these Bitcoiners that say, no, 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 you shouldn't be lending this asset. This asset is just, there's 21 million. You shouldn't be lending it. But for Bitcoin to be money, quote unquote, they like to call it money. For Bitcoin to be money, uh, it needs to be lent, right? Any kind of money to be money, it needs to be able to be lent. Things need to be priced in it, right? And if Bitcoin can't achieve that, if the Bitcoiners are going this opposite direction where they say Bitcoin shouldn't be lent, uh, I think that's a mistake because that's trending towards, you know, not becoming money, right, um, to be money, uh, for an economy, for a cap, you know, capitalist economy to function, some people, entrepreneurs, they get, they borrow money, whatever is considered money, uh, to, you know, build a better product, build a better tool, introduce that into the economy, and they're lent money to sustain themselves or to grow their business, right? Um, and so, a money uh, needs to be able to be lent. So, if Bitcoiners have any hope of achieving this, they need it to be lent. Now, perhaps they're waiting, right? They're waiting until the magical day where Bitcoin, you know, achieves, you know, the price of 5 million or 1 million, and then they just are hoping it will stabilize in price. And then maybe they think it can be lent, right? So maybe at that time it will be lent, but that day may never come because how are you going to stabilize the price of Bitcoin? All I, all I keep hearing is massive adoption. And if we have enough people, um, that, that adopt Bitcoin as a money, then people won't be, you know, buying and selling it as, you know, as a speculation. Uh, I think that's a tall order. I think that's a very hard thing to achieve. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, it, I guess it's possible. Yeah, I guess anything's possible. <laughs> but it's just, for me, it's unbelievable. Um I need to see like a real step-by-step plan, not just, oh, we're going to have more, more, more and more adoption uh, for this to happen. But, you know, I'm a skeptic and I would go work at a crypto company. And I, I tend to think this was a, I think I just, my ears perked up when I heard this, uh, and I'll just repeat it, that Celsius tried to hire Peter Schiff in a debate. You know, the Alex Mashinsky, the guy who runs Celsius, he said, hey, do you want to come work for Celsius in his debate with him a few months ago? We need some risk people. We need some people who are skeptics of the industry. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us the bearish case for crypto. And it's just so funny that like two months later, you know, the blow up in crypto happens and, uh, <laughs> and you know, Celsius is having a lot of trouble, right? They had to cancel withdrawal requests because they obviously don't have um, the funds to pay it out. And if they did, they'd be, go under like, just like BlockFi. I think what did BlockFi in was just all the withdrawal attempts on them. And they, they, you know, the CEO admitted that they only had 10% just sitting around in a bank account to meet redemption requests. Now they, they've been able to meet these requests, but uh, you know, 
trust has been lost in the industry. I think they'll continue to see outflows. Hopefully the FTX, you know, bailout will help stave off some of this mistrust of the industry. And it seems like FTX uh, will make good on customers' accounts. So if you're in BlockFi, you know, hopefully your, your account will be saved. But if you're in Celsius, perhaps not. But yeah, I, my ears perked up because I thought these Bitcoin people, these that are starting companies, they need a they need a good risk department. They need to at least have a few bears on the team uh, to give them the worst case scenario. Um, and if a few bears were on the team, perhaps you know BlockFi wouldn't have lent out to three uh, three um, AC. Now they say they their loan was collateralized, but but a third of their collateral happened to be GBTC GBTC shares, which don't aren't really Bitcoin, right? They don't trade twenty four seven. They traded a huge discount to Bitcoin because you can't get the Bitcoin out of this product, right? So somebody like me, or maybe like a Peter Schiff or some other now you know analyst, would have said, "Don't do this. This is entirely too risky. Um, just take you know if you want to give out a loan, just take Bitcoin. <laughs> don't take these shares because obviously, you know if they had done their homework too." just anyone on the BlockFi team, they could have researched a co-founder of 3AC talking to Castile and venture partner, Matt Walsh on an, on a podcast and saying something like, yeah, we took um, we the loan from BlockFi and we basically, and we put it into, we take the Bitcoin that, that people just put into BlockFi and we basically give it to GBTC and we get shares at a, you know, this was when the premium was happening. And they just did that trade. And this guy went on on the Brink podcast, you know, two years ago and said eventually this was going to turn into a discount. He said this on this podcast. Like, and apparently Matt Walsh edited this part out, right? And that's kind of shocking. <laughs> he did this. He admitted it. Uh, and he edited this out. But if somebody was paying attention, they'd say, look, they'd maybe call up Matt Walsh and say, because these people were all on the same team. Matt, Matt Walsh, Cash Island Ventures, Nick, Nick Carter invested directly into BlockFi. So, um, so they, they might say, Hey, uh, give us the unedited version of this interview you did with 3AC because we lent to them. They gave us this collateral. We need to hear it all. And Matt Walsh should have, you know, he should have chirped up and he should have given that unedited version to BlockFi's team. He's an investor, he's an insider. He had he had every incentive to do so. So did he actually hand this over? Did he tip them off? When tip BlockFi executives off that when he said when he did this interview when he said, "Hey, look, uh, the the CEO or the co-founder of 3AC, who we've lent you know massive amounts of money to, uh, basically knows this premium in GBTC is going to turn eventually into a discount, and he doesn't want this to get out." And I mean, this wasn't like some big revelation. A lot of people knew it was going to turn into a discount. But the fact that he knew that and he wanted Matt Walsh to edit it out is very telling, right? It's very telling that he knew this trade would eventually go against him. And he might, you know, he does, he wants to be the first out or he doesn't want the world to know. Um, but it just, it's just, it's just a little scammy to me. Um, but, but Matt Walsh did, wasn't doing his duty, you know, as a shareholder of BlockFi, in my opinion, if he didn't tip off BlockFi about his interview with the co-founder of 3AC, you know, about their discussion around the GBTC trade. Um, 
But, you know, maybe he wasn't bearish enough. All these Bitcoin people are very, very pro-Bitcoin. Um, and so sometimes you're blinded by your own greed. Sometimes you're blinded by your own convictions that, no, you know, nothing can go wrong. And then something blows up. So I, I am wondering how many of these Bitcoin companies actually hire. I know that they probably have risk departments, but do they have anybody whispering in their ear? Do they have anyone really negative on this industry, really negative about the risks, right? Do they have people like that who are completely objective or do they just hire people that are pro, pro, pro Bitcoin and they can't see, they can't be objective about anything? I mean, I, I would think that would be an advantage to anybody to hire a skeptic on their team. Now it might be a little bit annoying, but you know, you don't have to talk to them every day, but at least they can be, give you some kind of balance, you know, to, to all the people around you that are just little echo chambers in the Bitcoin crypto industry that are constantly pumping, right? All of this nonsense to me. Now I'm, I'm fine with people making a buck to some extent. So, so there's probably a lot of people that would go, you know, that are bearish on crypto that would go work for a crypto company, you know, if you paid them enough, but, um, but yeah, I, I bet you they wouldn't want to do that. Just, it's just, a, it's really not in your natural human inclination to want to do that. Um, so that's, so that's pretty much all I wanted to discuss. Um, if anyone has any questions, you can call in. If not, I'll probably just in this little thing here. Um, but I find that interview super fascinating. It only it happened like two months before the blow up, and literally Alex Mashinsky. Now he might have been joking, but he did ask for Peter Schiff to come work at his company in the risk department. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So okay. Thanks. I'm gonna end it here.